I feel like we could literally be in here for 24 hours. (laughs) The 24-hour podcast. Let's maybe make that like your, I don't know, like one-year thing will be a 24-hour podcast. (laughs) Welcome to Uncanonical, the kinship podcast. When something is canonical or accepted as canon, it refers to any inspired writings accepted as holy scripture. This is not that. This is stories of faith, stories of loss, and biblical stories told with many liberties taken. My name is Jacqueline, and this is part two of my conversation with Heather. I've asked you before about Samson and Delilah because there was a song called Samson, and it was about Samson cutting off his hair or whatever. And so at the time, like, I knew that it was a Bible story, but I didn't know anything about it. So I looked it up a little bit. And then I asked you about it eventually. And you told me like in layman's terms, you know, (laughs) what it was. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Cool. But one of the things that's been coming up a couple of times that I was going to ask you about was Ezekiel. Yeah. And the reason that this even is a thing is that like he was a character on The Walking Dead. And I never thought anything of it. Mm-hmm. He was a weird guy. He had a pet tiger, whatever. <laughs> oh, um, that's exciting. And I never thought anything of it. But then I started watching another show called The Boys, and it's about, like, superheroes. And there was a character on there named Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. And he was very, like, preachy. Like, he was trying to get everybody to follow the word of God. And he was very obnoxious about it. And I was like, oh, hey, his name's Ezekiel. And then I was thinking back about this other character named Ezekiel. And he actually, like created a kingdom like after the zombie apocalypse to save people essentially Mm -hmm. right so I was like oh there's yeah so I was like oh there's kind of like some ties so who is Ezekiel in the bible because I knew that it was a biblical reference and what's his whole deal (laughs) what's his deal what's his deal is he like does he like save people yeah so Ezekiel is a prophet Mm -hmm. Um, so sort of like we were talking about earlier when I said that there's people who have the gift of prophecy nowadays where they can hear God's voice more clearly about things Mm -hmm. back then and maybe a little bit now, but especially back then Mm -hmm. there were like prophets, Mm -hmm. a dude or woman that God just went, you are going to be the person Mm -hmm. who's going to tell my people what is what Mm -hmm. they are not doing what they're supposed to do and Mm -hmm. somebody need to come set them straight. So you are the person that I'm going to talk directly to. I'm going to give you this exact message and you're going to go and tell these people. Mm -hmm. And being a prophet back then was so risky because if you said you were a prophet Mm -hmm. and you came and gave like a word from God Mm -hmm. and you were wrong, they just kill you. Mm -hmm. Just straight up off with your head, Alice in Wonderland style, like gonzos. Um, So Ezekiel was a prophet. And I mentioned too that back in the early, early days, mm-hmm. kind of just after humanity was created, there was the Israelites, which were God's chosen people. Mm-hmm. So the Old Testament follows Israel's journey. Um, they were kind of like slaves in Egypt and got set free and they had to go to the promised land, screwed that up too, kept living their lives. And there's this whole, it's just like the most beloved roller coaster ride of Israel being the best ever and loving God and then running away and following other gods, even though God just saved them from something else. And then them like (laughs) loving God and being awesome. And then him then just completely trashing the idea. It's just like hashtag so relatable. (laughs) I always am like, oh, I'm just like a little Israelite over here. Just like when God just did something for me. And then I think I just go and do my own thing anyway. Yeah. Such a classic Israel move. So (laughs) Ezekiel was one of the prophets that after Israel just started doing their own friggin' thing, God said, hey, go tell them that I have plans for them and I need them to shape the heck up Mm -hmm. or else. And so prophets would usually go and tell a nation um, that they needed to change or that God was going to bring wrath and also like what good things were coming. Mm -hmm. So Ezekiel did that. It's a very long book in the Bible. Um, Considering prophets often had smaller books, they were like just little messages. Mm. But Ezekiel's a pretty prominent one because of what he was teaching to the Israelites. Mm -hmm. But he had to go through some serious nonsense before God let him go speak. Like, Mm -hmm. he put him through this whole, I feel like I want to call it like a hazing period. I know it's not. (laughs) That's the wrong way of explaining it. It's more like, not hazing. What's the other? Like, initiation? Oh, yeah. Initiation. God put him through an initiation So Ezekiel at the beginning of the book describes 
where the book of Ezekiel describes the vision that he got, which was this really epic vision where there's all these humanoid type beings and like chariots of fire all showing up and getting him to un- like understand that it's God and, and setting that precedent. Mm-hmm. And then God started talking to him and telling him he was going to be a prophet and that the people he's sending them to are really like obstinate and stubborn people, but he needs to go tell them what's what. And he like unrolls this massive scroll for him. And back then, like these prophets would have probably seen God, like they would have had visions. Mm -hmm. So what we were talking about, like, how do you hear God? Back then it was like, God appears and tells you. Yeah. Yeah. Or it was like a vision of it. There's very, there's fewer times in the Old Testament where God actually shows up. Mm -hmm. There's one story where someone wrestles with a person Mm -hmm. and it's mostly believed canonically that the person he wrestled with was God. So this Mm. guy this uh, another prophet mm. wrestled with god okay and then god like pops his hip out and they like leave because he fights him all night long and he's like you know what never mind and then just like pops his hip out to be like don't forget i won this I'm one i'm picturing then... this in my head <laughs> it's very odd it is it is very weird um i should probably be more concerned with telling you like what ezekiel said to these people but i really want to tell you what god made him do ahead of time he tells him to take a block of clay put it in front of him, draw the city of Jerusalem on it, and then, like, lay siege against it. So erect works against it, build a ramp up to it, battering rams, take an iron pan, place it as an iron wall between you and the city, turn your face towards it, and then, like, pretend to, like, take it under siege. And then... Like this fake city that he's built out of clay? Oh, my gosh. And then he has to lie on his left side, put the sin of the people of Israel upon himself, and he has to bear their sin for the number of days that he lies on his side. So I've assigned you the same number of days as the years that they had been sitting. So like I said, they Mm kind of came and went and came and went. So they had been sinning not great for 390 years. Oh. So he had to lay on his side for 390 days to bear the sin of the people of Israel Mm because later Jesus shows up and, like, pays the price for our sin ultimately. So there's no more ritual sacrifice. Oh. And so at this point, Jesus hasn't shown up yet. So he's turning Ezekiel into a person who bears the sin of these people. Mm-hmm. And so that's not always the case for prophets, but for him it was. And then after that, he has to lie down again, but on the other side and then bear the sin of the people of Judah, which were sort of a branch of the Israelites. It's mm-hmm. They all come from this one guy, Abraham. And then he had a bunch of who whose name gets changed to Israel later mm-hmm. he has like 12 sons which turn into the 12 s- tribes mm-hmm. and then Judah was sort of like the the ugly stepbrother mm-hmm. of the tribes so he has to turn over and then be on his side for 40 days for each of the 40 years that they had been sinning mm-hmm. then he has to look towards the fake Jerusalem that he built again <laughs> and then prophesy and then he has to be tied up with ropes so he can't turn from one side to the other until he's finished like this siege of the fake city Mm -hmm. and then he has to take wheat and barley beans and lentils millet and spelt so just like grains and stuff Mm -hmm. put them in a jar and use them to make bread for yourself and you eat it during the 390 days you lie on your side so just like millet bread Mm -hmm. non-stop weigh out 20 shekels which is like amounts of food to eat each day and then eat it at set times Mm -hmm. measure out a sixth of a hen i don't know how much that is but i can look it up of water and drink it at the set times and then whatever eat the food and then um Eat the food as you would a loaf of barley bread. Bake it in the sight of the people using human excrement <gasps> for fuel. Oh. The Lord said, in this way, the people of Israel will eat defiled food among the nations where I will drive them, like as a representation of their punishment. Okay. And then Ezekiel's like, then I said, not so, sovereign Lord. I have never defiled myself from my youth until now. I have never eaten anything found dead or torn by wild animals. No impure meat, because purity was huge back then, mm-hmm. has ever entered my mouth. Very well, he said. So God's like, okay, okay, okay. I will let you bake your bread over cow dung instead of human excrement. (laughs) He then said, son of man, I'm about to cut off the food supply in Jerusalem. The people will eat rationed food in anxiety and drink rationed water in despair. For food and water will be scarce. They will be appalled at the sight of each other and will waste away because of their sin. Oh, my. (laughs) I was like... That was just so that he could be a prophet and spread the word of God? Yeah. That's commitment. That's unreal. I mean, like, it's a big call on your life. So if God says do it, you kind of just, you know, you go ahead. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. But I was, because you had mentioned Ezekiel, I started trying to read through the whole book of it before we had this conversation. And I got, that's like the second chapter, third chapter. I was like, okay. That's weird. That's weird. The Bible gets weird. It does. Sometimes it really does. We could have a whole episode just on like the weird stories yeah. in the Bible, but like a cow, like a bear just like mauling these people because God told them to. Like yeah. it just, 
it gets, gets out there. It gets there. Yeah. There's like some girl that like sleeps with her, like gets her dad drunk to sleep with him, and like it's just oh, oh man, it is <laughs> it is a time. Just go down the rabbit hole. Yep. So we can do a that'll separate episode our, on that. Yeah, that'll be our 24-hour podcast. Yeah, we'll, all the weird uh, stories we'll of the time Bible. To delve into that. But anyway, that's who Ezekiel was. If that gives you some context for your yes. pop culture references. Yep. So he was prophet, obviously. I know that there's like false prophets. Mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. which are, I'm assuming, people who say that God has told them, but they're actually just lying. Power tripping. Power tripping. For sure. Um, were there false prophets way back in the day? Like, people who said, God has sent me to do this, and then you were saying, like, if, you know, someone says, God told me this, and then it didn't happen, that they would be put to death or whatever. Um, yeah. Yep. Who's someone, like, notable in that oh. regard? That's a really good question. Uh, well, there's this one example where a king really wanted to go to war, and so he asked one of his advisors if it was a good idea, like if they could take the army and go take this land from these people, because he felt like it was their land. And so he was like, yeah, totally, we can do that, but maybe get some advice, like get some consultation from some prophets first. And so they consulted like 400 prophets, and all of the prophets were kind of falsely deceived, like they all thought they were hearing from the Lord, or in their desire to just do what the king wanted, they said, yeah, absolutely, go to war. And they were headed up by this one guy named Zedekiah. And Zedekiah was like the most gung-ho, like absolutely, you're gonna go, you're gonna take this land, crush these people, it's gonna be great. And then the advisor that first was like, maybe you should get some advice, was like, maybe we should check with like one of the Lord's prophets because There was also other gods back then, and so he was like, I think those 400 guys were all maybe getting their info from the wrong quote-unquote god. So they called a real prophet of the Lord in, and he basically kind of confirmed what they were saying, and then the king called him out and was like, really, you're agreeing with these guys? And he's like, well, I'm only agreeing because the Lord's already decided that you're gonna go to war, and you're gonna get slaughtered, but it's too late now, like you've already made up your mind. And so King was not happy about it, and went, but went to war anyway against the advice of the guy who said, like, the Lord clearly doesn't want you to do this. So the king himself went into battle, but in disguise. And a bunch of the warriors from the other army were trying to find the king and kill him. And so they were going after kind of the decoy king. And then this one archer, it literally says, like, he randomly drew his bow and let go of his arrow, and it pierced the king, like, right in his chest in between his armor, and he died. So there's not that many examples of false prophets specifically because kind of like the title of the podcast, Uncanonical, talks about, the Bible was full of a lot of stories that people listened to God and took the time to figure out which ones were the most relevant and the most helpful and then put them all into the canon, which is the Bible that we have today. And so if false prophets had told someone something, that's not as helpful for moving the story along as the actual prophets that were actually speaking God's word to the people. So we're more often told of false prophets in like the general sense, like beware of these false messages, beware of these false prophets. But the people whose stories are told the loudest were the real prophets who came and told the official stories and the official word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I do have a couple more questions that I can think of. Um, One of them actually kind of relates to what you were just explaining about Ezekiel bearing all these people's sins, you were saying that's what they did before Jesus came along, right? So the prophets mm-hmm. would bear their sins, whatever. And then Jesus came along and wiped out everyone's sins, right? Correct? Yes. So that, 100%. you know, everyone could live happily after Ever, that. ever after, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> what was, so give me like the brief rundown. I know it's a whole thing about Jesus. Like, oh. who was he? That's about it. Yeah, who, who is he? Jesus? Yeah. Who is Jesus? Oh, man, I'll just grab a whole library of books for you. I know, right? That's why I'm like, give me the brief rundown, because I know it's, like, just a whole thing that we could, like, get into. But I honestly, like, I don't understand really who he was. I know, like, people say, like, he died for our sins. Like, you know, yeah. when I think of Jesus, that's the tagline that's in my head is, like, he died for he our sins. But I don't really know, like, what that means, what that entails. Also, earlier, this made me so confused. I was like, oh, was Jesus a prophet? And you were like, no, he was God. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And like, on that note, if he's God, Mary is his mother. Yes. So 
did Mary come before God? But no, God created uh-huh. everyone. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's a whole, um, it's a whole thing. To quote my good friend Lana, who was on that pilot episode, okay. uh, she once, maybe against better judgment, accidentally in a sermon that she had said, God knocked up Mary. Oh, oh boy. Which is not wrong. Well. But it's phrasing. It's not. It's, phrasing. Yeah. I feel like I almost have to like cover the Trinity first, but maybe I can get away. That with. was another question that I was saving, but may- maybe I'll uh, maybe we'll slip that one in them. there. Yeah. So my question about that, and I've asked you this before, uh-huh. um, but off the air, what off is the, the Trinity? Like, I hear Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, Catholic churches mm-hmm. in the name of the I Father, think, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, like yeah. with your head, your chest, your and the you heart. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Are they the same? Like, are they all God in different forms? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I'll give you the Sunday school version okay, because it's actually really helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all God, but different versions of him. That's a fabulous way of saying it. Kind of like an egg. You have an egg mm-hmm. and it's an egg and every part of the egg is an egg, mm-hmm. but you have the shell and you have the white and you have the yolk. Okay. And so if I showed you an egg yolk mm-hmm. and I was like, what is this? You'd be like, I don't know, it's an egg yolk. Mm-hmm. You have an egg white and an egg shell. They're all egg, mm-hmm. but they're three different aspects of this one whole mm-hmm. being. God the Father, God the Son, and God in the Holy Spirit form are like that. Mm-hmm. God would be the first iteration, the first, I mean, they all existed at all times, but the way we see them do stuff mm-hmm. in the Bible goes in the order, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So God created Earth, mm-hmm. created the universe, mm-hmm. and, and was in some distant communion with his people in the Old Testament. So he would sometimes like show up as like a pillar of fire or like a bunch of clouds or a booming voice or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he was not very tight with his people. He would send prophets because he only spoke to them there. They built temples that God's presence could like live in, but it was really, really sacred and Mm -hmm. only the elite of the elite church leaders could go into the holy space and they had to like go through purification rituals to enter into the holy, holy presence of God. Mm -hmm. So that's God. He's the one that if people are upset about something or think like God's an angry God or he's just out to be mad at people and whatever, Mm -hmm. that's usually God Mm -hmm. that they're thinking of, God proper. Then after Israel did that thing, where they were like hot and cold and hot and cold, Mm -hmm. like Katy Perry style, just so (laughs) not doing their best life. And they they had sacrifices back then, so it wasn't always the prophets that bore the sin. If they sinned, they would sacrifice animals, typically, Mm -hmm. to purify themselves. So those leaders would go into the temple and they would kill lambs or calves or Mm -hmm. whatever to shed blood because the shedding of blood purified them of their sins. Like Mm -hmm. they should have been punished, but instead there would be this placeholder, like the scapegoat Mm -hmm. for their sins. Mm -hmm. And that was the way that God set it up. You guys are not doing what you're supposed to do, but I don't want to take my wrath out on you, but I can't, you can't be near me if you're not holy. God is holy. So if you, you can't be in his presence unless you are. Mm -hmm. So the only way to mitigate that was to shed blood of some kind Mm -hmm. to allow people to become holy again. Mm-hmm. With me so far? So far. So far. Yep. Okay. So Israel was not doing a bang up job. If Ezekiel was any indicator, like 390 years, and that's just between yeah. the last guy and Ezekiel. That's mm-hmm. not including all the other stuff that Israel came and went and came and went. Mm-hmm. So it finally got to a point where God was like, man, they are not getting it any better. Mm-hmm. Like they are just. I love them. They are my people. I made them. I mm-hmm. want to be with them. But they are just a lost cause almost mm-hmm. at this point. God finally decided that the only way to have his people be right with him and to be able to be in community with him again was to send his son, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So God was the father figure in this three-in-one situation. Mm-hmm. And Jesus would have been the son of God in that okay. situation. But they were still sort of the One same. The same? Yeah, exactly. And so there was a lot of prophets that prophesied about the coming of Jesus, Mm -hmm. which was like the final ultimate sacrifice, hero of the world, sound the trumpets. Mm -hmm. This guy was going to come and fix everything and set his people free permanently. He was like Mm -hmm. the the be all and end all. Mm -hmm. So God sent Jesus to earth. 
but he needed him to be able to bear the sins of his people, and he couldn't do that unless he was also human. Mm -hmm. So there's this weird dichotomy, which does not get any easier no matter how much you think about it, mm -hmm. where he was fully God and fully man. Mm -hmm. You just have to take my word for that one. Okay. <laughs> so that's what the Christians I mean, believe. That's what I have we no think. other uh, <laughs> evidence to believe otherwise, so yeah. I'll... I'll... Believe just, whatever you tell me at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Keep keep that going. That's okay, going to help you. So, <laughs> Mary, this young gal, tradition would say between like 14 and 16 years old, mm -hmm. she was engaged to this guy, Joseph. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, she's pregnant. An angel shows up and is like, you're pregnant with God's baby. And she's like, uh, <laughs> okay, if you say so. But angels were big, scary guys, and he literally showed up in her living room. Okay. So much like you, it's like, if he shows up in my living room, I... You got to do it. I feel says. like I'm, yeah, I feel like I'm on board with what he's saying. So then she was terrified and freaking out because she was engaged, not married. So she's not having sex. And now she's preggers. And it's not like subtle. Mm -hmm. Like now it's like, oh, I didn't know I was pregnant. Like women were sent away when they were on their periods because they were unclean. Right. So it would have been very clear very soon yeah. that she was pregnant. So either she was sleeping with her fiance, who she's, you're not supposed to be sleeping with yet, or she's having an affair on this guy, which is like, Mortal sin. Dishonor. Dishonor on your cow. Dishonor. <laughs> dis all dishonor. Like, just absolutely unacceptable, especially in that time. Like, wouldn't yeah. go well today, but back then it was unreal. Yeah. So, an angel shows up to Joseph also and is like, hey, the girl you're supposed to get married to, she's actually carrying God's baby, so don't stone her. We're doing a thing, if mm -hmm. you could just, like, get on board. So, Joseph was originally when he found out was she was pregnant, was going to just, like, quietly separate from her and mm -hmm. quietly cut all cut off the engagement because he mm -hmm. was, like, an upstanding kind of guy. He's, like... Nice guy. Yeah, yeah, really, like, I don't want to pour shame on her. I'll just find another wife. It's the wow. end of the world. But then the angel showed up and was, like, actually, could you just, like, go ahead and marry, marry anyway? And he was, like, well, giant scary angel just showed up, so I guess so. Mm -hmm. So Mary has this baby. So I'll maybe mm -hmm. explain who Jesus is now, yeah. and then I'll get to the Holy Spirit after. It makes more sense chronologically. Okay. So then Mary, like hung out with her sister who was also pregnant for a bit to kind of just like get out of Dodge. And then there was this big census that was happening where everyone had to kind of go back home to their hometowns to fill out the census because they didn't do it like door to door like they do now. So they went back to Bethlehem while she's crazy pregnant. And this is where like Jesus born in the manger happens. Yeah. So they go to try and find accommodations, but Bethlehem's a pretty small place. And everyone who had maybe moved to the big metropolis has now had to come back to this hometown for the mm -hmm. census. So there's nowhere for them to stay. So this one hotel guy is like, I got a barn, I guess, if you want to just stay there. Sorry, dude. He's like, my wife is literally 10 months pregnant. And he's like, nah, barn's all I got. <laughs> so he throws him in the barn, and that's when Jesus was <laughs> born in the manger, which is just like the place where mm -hmm. they would eat food. Um, we hear a little bit more about that. The wise men show up, shepherds mm -hmm. show up all that. This other guy, like the king at the time, finds out that this like king was born, like a mm -hmm. prophet tells him that a king was born, and this king's like, uh, don't think so. I'm king. No, no, no. So then he goes around and tries to kill all the babies under two, because word doesn't travel very fast. Right. So he's like, I don't know how old this baby is, this king baby that they think is going to usurp my friggin' throne, but mm -hmm. no thanks. Goes around, tries to kill a bunch of babies. God shows up again, like gives an angel to Joseph, and then is like, Get lost! So they run off to Egypt because <laughs> yeah. their son's going to get killed. Mm -hmm. Jesus is a little bit older, and they're traveling around, and he, like, ends up hanging out with some church leaders for a bit and, like, spews wisdom at 12 years old. Mm -hmm. His family leaves him behind because they're traveling in packs. They don't realize that Buddy Boy's not with them. <laughs> they're, like, a day into their travels, realize that they lost Jesus. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, why, child? So then Mary and Joseph run back to wherever they were hanging out, pick up Jesus, and he's they're like, kid, what is wrong with you? We were mm -hmm. leaving. What? He's like, I just came to be in my father's house and do what my father called me to do. And they're like, your dad's right here. <laughs> but he was talking about God. Mm -hmm. And then we don't know much else about Jesus, except that we hear back when he's like in his 30s. So mm -hmm. like 30 to 33 was kind of his like time. Mm -hmm. So up until then, he just lived a normal life as the son of this carpenter dude. Mm -hmm. But there was this guy John, John the Baptist. So mm -hmm. he went around and he was kind of like the last prophet. So he would declare to the people then Jesus is coming. And then all of a sudden Jesus like shows up and he's like, hey, you should baptize me because you're baptizing all these people, preparing them, like kind of cleansing them in the water, mm -hmm. preparing them for the arrival of God. And he goes up to John's like, you should baptize me. And John's like, oh my, you're, you're God. Like you're you're actually the thing I've been talking about coming for all this time. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, totes. And he's like, 
I, I can't baptize you, you should baptize me. You're the God thing. And he's like, how did he know who Jesus was? He just knew. He just knew? He just knew. Yeah. God in his head. So he baptizes him and then God like appears and like sends those like God sunshine rays down. Was like, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. Mm -hmm. Like puts a freaking dove on him and that's like the start of his ministry. Mm -hmm. So then he runs around, does all those miracles mm -hmm. and preaches to the nation. He calls out the church a lot back then because they had started putting in all these extra laws and rules so that people lived a certain way and they were using the law and faith for their own financial gain, mm -hmm. which I'd like to say hasn't happened since, but it definitely has. Yes. So he like overthrows a few church people, like he gets really mm -hmm. mad at them, but like lives really humble. So then there's this challenge where people are like, we thought you were gonna come like riding in on like a white freaking horse, mm -hmm. army style, and free us from the oppression of all these people. Cause mm -hmm. Jews have always been oppressed. Mm -hmm. And to this day, like, hello Holocaust, ha mm -hmm. are still oppressed. Mm -hmm. And so they were like so certain that Jesus was going to rescue them the way they thought, which is yeah. like on horseback, sword, leading this revolution. Yeah. And he kind of had to be like, actually, you should just like love people. Mm -hmm. And they were not thrilled about it. Um, but <laughs> he spoke to the people who were the most downtrodden and the most lost. And he, he healed a ton of people, mm -hmm. turned water into wine, all that good stuff. Had 12 disciples, so the mm -hmm. people who kind of followed around with him. And he mentored them, because that's kind of how training happened in any job, even mm -hmm. back then, was like through this mentorship. And so he had these 12 disciples who were like tax collectors, fishermen, like just kind of mm -hmm. nobodies told them to leave their families and follow him, and they continued their ministry, and then eventually the leaders of the day were pretty pissed that this guy was like causing all these riots and all this right. uproar of people Questioning who were, what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and saying like, you shouldn't be leading this way, and you're using this for your own financial gain, and they were like, mm -hmm. much like billionaires of today, mm -hmm. aren't thrilled Actually, when people start getting up in their, their business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, political leaders to this day do mm -hmm. the same thing. So they killed him. They, or they set out to kill him, and one of his own disciples betrayed him, gave him away mm -hmm. to the people. Peter? Uh, Judas. Oh. Mm -hmm. Who's Peter? Um, Short version? One of the disciples I read, who... I read his name at some point on the internet when I was doing my... Yeah, he was one of the disciples and then ended up writing some of the books that instructed the early church later. So he was one of the fishermen. Um, who was the tax collector? Matthew. Matthew was the tax collector. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyway... Uh, Judas gave him away to the people, and so they paraded him through town and killed him. They put him sort of on trial, but like again, like a biased trial. And and then they like a trial, quote unquote, but actually, yeah, we're just they know the outcome yeah. already, and yeah, yeah. And so uh, he was crucified, which was a traditional punishment of the day. And so he was killed on the cross with two other guys next to him, and then he was buried. And a few days later, some of the women who were part of the like group of people that followed around with Jesus mm -hmm. went to go check on his grave, and it was empty. Mm -hmm. There was no one there, and so a lot of the church leaders thought that his like they had guards and stuff there mm -hmm. because they were sure that his disciples were going to show up and steal the body mm -hmm. and pretend that something miraculous had happened, mm -hmm. which just ended up happening mm -hmm. in tradition. Is that and so these ladies showed up, and he was empty, and there was an angel that was standing guard instead who said like Don't be afraid. The one you were looking for is not here, he's risen. Mm -hmm. So they were all freaking out. The women go running back to the disciples to tell them. Some of them are like, wow, that's amazing. Some are like, okay, sure. And then eventually they're traveling on a road and Jesus shows up mm -hmm. beside them and they have no idea. Like he looks different and they have no idea. And then finally they like realize that it's him. And mm -hmm. one of them, Thomas, was like, I, I have no, are you for real right now? And so Jesus just like puts his hands out and is like, put your like feel the holes in my hands where they nailed mm -hmm. me to the cross. So they always like nickname him Doubting Thomas because <laughs> he was the one that was like, I don't know about this. And so he hung out with them for a bit and then basically ascended into heaven. Mm -hmm. So they like watched him just like go up to the clouds. So that's the real synopsis. So that's the sun part. The sun of the Trinity. Of the Trinity. Okay. So like I said, in the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice animals mm -hmm. for blood to purify their sins. Mm -hmm. The goal was that Jesus came so that he could shed his own blood as God and as man to purify us of our sins then and for the rest of eternity going forward. Mm -hmm. So it's that same Old Testament principle, mm -hmm. but God had to like give his own son to be the ultimate sacrifice because he was 
holy and the principle behind it is that he didn't sin. So it was always like the purest animal or the baby lamb that had never done any wrong. Mm -hmm. So that pure blood shed cleansed you and made you pure. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was the only human on earth who had never sinned, Mm -hmm. right? He did nothing wrong Mm because he was 100% God as well. And so that shedding of the purest blood is what allowed it to be this like forever Mm -hmm. sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So then right before Jesus goes up to heaven, Mm -hmm. he tells his disciples, I'm leaving you, but I'm sending you one who will be with you to give you counsel and to, and to be with you. Mm-hmm. And that's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So shortly after Jesus leaves, all the disciples and other early church people are hanging out and like, what are we going to do now? How are we going to start? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like fire just kind of like comes on the building and they can see like flames and tongues everywhere. And then people just, the disciples just started speaking in other languages Mm -hmm. and people were like what are they drunk it's like three in the afternoon (laughs) and they're like no we're not drunk like this is just actually like the embodiment of god in us so they could heal people they could speak other languages speaking in tongues if you've ever heard of that Mm -hmm. and and do all these miraculous things because now that jesus came and did the purification thing Mm -hmm. and then left he was able to send this spirit to be in them Mm -hmm. so they were almost like the, the phrasing is they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So before they were mm-hmm. baptized in water and now they were baptized in this Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. so now they've got like the power that God had mm-hmm. living inside of them mm-hmm. as real humans. So now that is that like counselor, the still small voice, the I have a word for someone else. The mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm sure you've heard of, if not seen on like TV, people like, mm-hmm. and now you can walk and now you can, yeah. you know, and I, I'll admit there's some, it, it feels like a lot of show, but that sort of thing has happened a lot in the past and does sort of still happen. And so mm-hmm. that all comes from that like Holy Spirit where you never would have seen that in the Old Testament mm-hmm. because God was pretty distant. So mm-hmm. now it, going forward, we get to have this like closeness in this relationship mm-hmm. because there's this like peace of God that kind of like lives in us. And that's that mm-hmm. spirit side that I was talking about with like the body, soul, mm-hmm. spirit. Wow. That is a whole lot. It is. That's a good, like, rundown of it, though. How long did that take me? I feel like that was not that long, like 15 minutes. <laughs> nah, I think, I think it was good. So does that sort of answer the question of, like, who they are and what they did? Yes. It's a lot to, like, take in. And yeah. if you have no frame of reference for this vocabulary, yep. it's weird. No, that makes sense. It, I understand more about, like, who Jesus was and kind of, like, the timeline of his life. One kind of little question Uh I have I guess is like some of the more like outspoken people nowadays Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word will say like like the ones who like really preach about Jesus and stuff will say that like he's coming back yes right yes so what like yes what is that whole concept that he's coming back is it because we've sinned for so many years and now we need Jesus to come back and help us out or? Yeah. 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 Pretty well. Okay. Yeah. There's a book of the Bible called Revelation uh-huh. and it is the very last book and it is like the revelation of God and it talks about kind of, it gives a vision for, people interpret it as a vision for what eternity will be mm-hmm. and there's a lot of talk in the scripture about God redeeming everything and making all things new again Mm -hmm. because obviously the world is still a little bit a lot crap Mm -hmm. and people are still screwing up left right and center Mm -hmm. and so it could very well be argued that we could use a whole lot of saving again still sidebar this kind of ties into another question that i have so god created the universe yes whatever um he told noah to build an ark Mm -hmm. to save his little group of people Mm -hmm. And then he wiped out humanity, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Was this after Jesus? No. Well before. before. Well okay. before. Before Israel and Abraham and all the Israelite people, too. Okay. It was cool. like in between Adam and Eve and God's first people. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Noted. Um, regardless, is that kind of what people are expecting to happen again? You know, you remember like 2012 whole thing like yep. god was going to come and wipe out humanity done and we're done those on december what yeah, 21st or something yeah totally yeah. is that kind of what people are thinking is going to happen is that there will be someone or some people who will be chosen or saved or whatever and then god's going to wipe out humanity 
because we've been sinning and like start again is that kind of the idea with like god coming that is one of the ideas yeah yes that is one way of viewing that interpreting it yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's another thing that like there's a lot of interpretation on because it hasn't happened yeah exactly so we're all trying to interpret the text to predict the future Mm -hmm. and so i i don't want to say too much on this one because i never got around to in bible school like taking a revelation class Mm -hmm. but i had an instructor once who even just in an offhanded conversation was like just like we said for all the other books you have to read them as they were intended for that people group Mm -hmm. and if it was about God coming back a million years later, like that, that wouldn't have made sense to those people. Like it makes mm-hmm. sense now, 2000 years later, but it wouldn't have made sense to them. Mm-hmm. Jesus himself, when he left, like when he ascended into heaven, told his disciples he was coming back. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to come back for now. I'm sending you this spirit, mm-hmm. but I'm God said, I'm going to come back. Jesus. When he like right before he went into the clouds, oh, okay. so he died. He came back to life. He hung out with them for a bit and then he left oh, gotcha. in the hanging out with them for a bit part. Mm-hmm. He said to them. I am going to come back. Okay. And so that from that point on, mm-hmm. there is all there's always been talk of Christ coming back. Mm-hmm. And there's the concept that we use now to sort of explain it is that the phase of time we are in, like post Jesus but pre him coming back, mm-hmm. is the already not yet kingdom. Mm-hmm. So it's already come, like Christ already came to earth, purified us of our sins, so we have this sort of full revelation of him and we have the spirit in us and mm-hmm. all that. So it's already happened, mm-hmm. but there's still this like not yet part mm-hmm. where we can still see a lot of brokenness and hurt mm-hmm. and woundedness, but there's prophecies and writings in the Bible that talk about a future where there will be no more sadness, no more hurt, no more mm-hmm. weeping or gnashing of, t- you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's why people talk about Christ's return Mm -hmm. and there's so much unknown about it because we're interpreting ancient texts for that. And it was pretty vague even in the texts that we are given. Mm -hmm. And so, and the disciples, when they read it, thought that he was coming back in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. So they just evangelically went out to tell everybody about him Mm because they're like, well, if he's coming back, we got to, we got to make sure everybody's ready and everybody knows what's up before he comes back in like does the full redemption of everything. Yeah. And then they started the church and they reached out to people and that's where that evangelism thing started where they just went out and told everybody. Mm-hmm. And then every generation since has read that and gone, he's coming back any day now. Mm-hmm. We got to go out and tell everybody about him. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing that for 2000 years. Yeah, totally. So um, any Christian would believe that Christ is coming back. That's mm-hmm. one of the pretty much biggest tenets of the faith. Mm-hmm the level to which we tell other people about it right. comes back to the denominations. Yeah, thing. totally. Mm-hmm. This is more of a question, I guess, for like you specifically, because obviously <laughs> you can't speak on behalf of everyone, but like you're obviously not, you don't preach to people. You're not super outspoken. Uh-huh. Do you, like people who are so aggressive about how exactly they interpret the Bible, things that they take literally, what are kind of your thoughts on that? I mean, do you still, I mean, I'm sure you do still respect their beliefs to a certain degree, but like, does it bother you at all that people interpret the Bible so negatively? And by negatively, you mean like he's coming back and people are doomed and like that sort of thing? Like, or? no, like, like stoning gay people to death. Oh, right. You know, like yeah. I'm talking like people who take th- take passages from the Bible literally and think that like, gay people should die and people who get divorced should die. And, you know, they preach like that they hate everybody because God said something in the Bible a certain way, way back then. Do you still respect those people's opinions or does it bother (laughs) you? (laughs) Okay. Like, does it bother you that people interpret the word of God so literally and like in such a negative way? way yes when they should be interpreting it like in a more positive way a correct does that make way. sense yes <laughs> yeah i'm talking yeah. when i say yeah. when i'm talking about those people i say those people but i mean like yeah people who like picket funerals and yep like are very outspoken like mm-hmm. everyone's going to hell yeah yeah yep. does that bother you i'm sure you don't interact with a lot of people like that because you have like your community and whatever yes it's 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 heartbreaking 
honestly. Mm -hmm. Also, kind of side question, do you think that they are wrong in their, like, in their interpretation? Do you think that it's a wrong interpretation of scripture? Yeah. 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 It's more nuanced than that. Mm -hmm. But generally, yes. It's not what they're supposed to be, like, taking from it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you asked me this question personally, but I'm going to give you a broad answer mm -hmm. as well. The Old Testament, the first half was like God working in those people at that time. Mm -hmm. And then, um, like I said, there was prophets who like led to Jesus, mm -hmm. like told about Jesus coming and then he did, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Then Jesus was seen as the fulfillment of all the prophecies that were told about before. Mm -hmm. And he, when he was here, did a lot of teaching. A lot of people just called him teacher. Like that mm -hmm. was really, really a big part of what he did was teaching. Yeah. That was his most of his ministry. And at the time, there were still church leaders that held on to the law, which was given back in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that first five books of the Bible have a lot of those core things that people, the ones you're speaking of, are probably reading from. So uh, there's all sorts of things in that and there's a whole book just dedicated to like laws of the Bible. Right. And it even says not to wear fabrics woven of two different materials, mm -hmm. don't cook an animal in its mother's milk, yeah. like just all these things. And a lot of those were practical or like could be good for health concerns yeah. and, and all that. So those laws were very helpful yeah. at the time. But they don't apply We wear today. Yeah. woven it's all the time. And so exactly. if, if there's a law that someone's in, reading from back then, mm -hmm. right next to don't wear woven knits, and they're taking one and leaving the other, right. What, uh, why? Yeah, exactly. What are you doing? The, the big thing I learned in Bible school, thankfully, mm -hmm. for how to interpret scripture is context determines meaning. Mm -hmm. And that's helpful for anything. Like if you overhear a conversation from other people, totally, you could hear it one way, but the context of yeah. that conversation determines the meaning of that, yeah, what totally. they're trying to say. So people, a lot of the people that take things that literally are taking a particular thing way out of that context mm -hmm. because they want it to mean something or because someone yeah. told them it should mean something. That's what they want to hear. Exactly. And that happens in conversation all the time too. You hear what you want to hear, right? Yes. Yeah. But in conversation, it's often between one or two people and it's mm -hmm. way less detrimental than across global borders. Mm -hmm. And I have relatives of mine who have said to my face mm -hmm. that, that religion is the cause of all the world's problems. Mm-hmm. And they don't support any organized religion because it's always the cause of all the world's problems. When Jesus came, he did two things. He affirmed the law and said that a lot of those things are still good, but he also gave a new interpretation for the law. Mm -hmm. And he spent a lot of his time teaching the leaders of the church at the time that what they had been doing was unhelpful and what they had been taking the law to mean wasn't the nature of why it was said in the first place. Mm -hmm. So it was said to help them in a certain area and then they built all these other laws around that thing mm -hmm. and now it's become harmful instead of helpful. Mm -hmm. So where it might have been to build relationships with other people, now it's causing division because they've built all these things around it. Mm -hmm. So he spent a lot of time telling people like, stop getting this way, stop being so legalistic, mm -hmm. stop holding on to these petty laws. And so much of what he did then was giving a new way. Put a pause on what you've been doing yeah. with all that and instead love other people, mm -hmm. right? So he would affirm something, but then also say, you know, that the law said this, but now I say to you, mm -hmm. you have heard this, mm -hmm. but now I say to you. That was su that's such a common phrase mm -hmm. in the gospels, which are like the stories of God's, of Jesus's life on oh, earth. Okay is you have heard, but now I tell you. You have heard, but now I say to you. So he would say- And it was applied in this way before, but now it's yeah. applied in this yeah. way. And everything that he did in the, but now I say to you, mm -hmm. was about like building community and mm -hmm. loving other people and having grace for mistake mm -hmm. and bringing unity and I could go on. And mm -hmm. so for people who are reading the truth pieces, like reading those really logistical law things, mm -hmm. I do respect their adherence to virtue and to what is good and what is true mm -hmm. because we are also called in the scripture to be holy as your heavenly father is holy. Like literally it basically just says be perfect because God is perfect and that's mm -hmm. impossible. We can spend our whole lives doing that. Yeah. But you need people to say, hey, this is wrong mm -hmm. and here's what we are called to do instead. Mm -hmm. 
100%, you need those people. Mm-hmm. When you say that and you lose love, mm-hmm. you've lost everything the scripture said. Point. The yeah. whole point. You know, so Jesus was a teacher through most of his ministry. A lot of what he did besides healing mm-hmm. was teaching people and correcting them from what they used to believe to what they should believe now and how mm-hmm. they should read that old law. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, if not all of it, was reading that law through grace now and mm-hmm. through love now. Mm-hmm. And much of Jesus' teaching and a lot of what was affirmed after Jesus left, but mm-hmm. by his disciples, his people who then went on to start mm-hmm. the early churches, talks nonstop about love. And there's passages in later books that literally just say like, there's faith and there's hope and there's love, but the greatest of all of these mm-hmm. is love. Mm-hmm. And so if you're reading the same scripture I am, yeah, it's impossible to read some of that and then think you should be killing someone mm-hmm. for the way that or they're like living their life. condemning someone. Yeah. Exactly. And I also maybe, and this is just me, but I also will hold my fellow Christian mm-hmm. to a different standard than I would hold someone who has no subscription to faith. Mm-hmm. Because if I have a Christian who's you know, going and making these really poor choices, Mm -hmm. a Christian friend who I have rapport with, not a Mm -hmm. random stranger also. Yeah. Sidebar. Fair. It would be good of me to go to them and say, I've noticed that you're doing these things Mm -hmm. and I know that those things are not good for you and you have said you want to live in a way that is holy and blameless Mm -hmm. and we hold each other to that standard. Mm -hmm. And that is good. Holding each other accountable. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. So Mm -hmm. if those people are holding people accountable, that's great. But to A, go to someone who has never said that they believe that what Jesus said is the way, truth, and life, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you can't hold someone to a standard that is a standard you believe in if they don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's laws in place, and I'm glad that we have structure and order. Mm -hmm. But to go and ostracize people Mm -hmm. and openly shame them and hurt them for their life choices when they're not... When they have never said that Mm -hmm. they want to live a holy and blameless life, like, you have no right Mm -hmm. to that. And so it's a very tricky balance between, again, the way that they've interpreted Mm -hmm. that scripture. But if you're you're missing the love piece, like, there's a whole chunk similar to the one I just said where it's, like, talking all about the different gifts. Like, I can speak in tongues, but if I have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Mm -hmm. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I have and everything I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship so that, you know, that I can say, oh, look at me, but don't have love, I gain nothing. Like, this just, Mm -hmm. if you're reading only the Old Testament, that's Mm -hmm. when you end up persecuting people and ostracizing mm-hmm. people and being the worst kind of person. So that's kind of the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. It obviously changed. God was really strict back then mm-hmm. because there wasn't this ultimate sacrifice and he was trying to get them to be holy and um, and yes. Yeah, so, and then when the New Testament rolled around, God, Jesus said, yes, that was good. And we gave that to you for that time and it was helpful. But you guys have taken that all sorts of the wrong way. Yeah. Allow me to give you Mm -hmm. the refresh edition, like the 2.0 of the law that God gave. Mm -hmm. It wasn't unhelpful or incorrect. It's just we need to we need to view it a little bit differently Mm -hmm. now in this new culture and Mm -hmm. going forward. And then and people miss that, I think. Have you ever had anybody tell you that, like, what you believe in is wrong? I mean, you said that you've had family members who say religion's a problem in the world. No one should be religious, blah, blah, blah. But have you ever had anybody like, for me, I've had people obviously try to persuade me mm-hmm. into the church. Yeah. You know, have you ever had anybody tell you that, like, your beliefs are wrong? Well, <laughs> um, fortunately, I guess, I, I I often have Christian circles. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up that way. I went to a Christian school. I yep. hang out in church. It's not unheard of to just have the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't had too many people. In high school, there was definitely some. But like I said, mm-hmm. I didn't have any answers for them either. So... Right. They said you're wrong, and I was like, ah, I think that that's, I think I am right. I can't tell you yeah. why, but I think I am. Yeah. When I was in college, but not at my Bible school, when I went to Mount Royal, mm-hmm. when I went to the secular school that I went to after, I was writing for the school paper. Um, one of my friends was like big in the school paper, and mm-hmm. they had lost their faith columnist. I think because the faith columnist had lost their faith. So that's also its own thing, Yeah. Um, which happens. And so they, also had like a sex column. And so they were like, 
if we're getting rid of the faith column, we can't keep having a sex column. So if we're keeping the sex column, we have to have a faith column. Like, come on, guys, like Fair get enough. some diversity. Yeah. And I was in a program with this guy, and he said, hey, you're a half-decent writer slash journalist. You're obviously a faith person. Mm -hmm. That's no surprise. Do you want to write this faith column? Mm -hmm. So I did. It's hilarious to reread them. <laughs> um, but at one point, there was an event happening in town where a man who, I can pull up his name later, but he was coming into town to do a talk on how to evangelize like, or, or proselytize like, Christians out of faith. He thought that faith wow. was so ridiculous and so unhelpful yeah. that his whole goal in life, books, talks, everything, was to make sure that people who were Christians stopped being Christians. I find that crazy to think about. Because generally... I, I never think about the opposite. Like, you hear about people preaching their religion to people, but yep. being I've pushy never Christians. heard of somebody, like, preaching not, not being religious. Yeah, yeah that's it was, wild. It was wild. Also, it, rude. <laughs> like, but, just absurd. But is it compared to well, pushing your faith, pushing your not faith? I mean, obviously, there would be people that love it and are on board, just like there's people that, you know follow the evangelical Christians as well. I feel like my relative who told me that faith was, like, religion was the cause of all the world's problems yeah, would 100% be... get on board with what he said. Yeah. And if I think that's rude, how much more, like, that's why I could never get on board with Christian evangelicalism, yeah. because I felt like it was rude of me to just go and tell you that your whole life was wrong. Hashem, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, so anyway, um, oh, wow. I went to his event yeah. to cover it for the faith column. Uh-huh. And you talk about feeling out of place in someone's home. Yeah. Let me tell you, sitting at this event while he's teaching people how to convince people not to be Christians, I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> like, talk. I'm like, okay, this is how Max people feel anxiety. coming to church. This is enlightening for out me. I'm glad I am here to learn this experience right now. Okay. Interesting. And I could talk about this a lot as well, but it was really funny because he had the exact same tactics that I had been trained in at that evangelical church I went to. Oh, wow. It was the exact same techniques, but in reverse. Yeah. Like, he would specifically book middle seats on airplanes so he could be sitting next to two people so he could strike up a conversation with them to see if they were Christians and see if he could talk them out of it on the wow. flight. Which is a thing that evangelical Christians sometimes try and do, yeah. is to sit on the middle seat of a plane so that you can talk to people and like interesting whatever and mm -hmm. so um, it was so funny for it's me it's literally like a tactic that you can apply both ways no matter what yep. yeah what you're trying to get across yep it was nuts and so he basically had three tiers mm -hmm. of Christians you might run into while you're doing this he wrote a whole book on it it's crazy and he said that you'll either get the Christians who are really weak in their faith, like me in high school, where they don't really have any answers to anything anyway, and mm -hmm. you can, like, poke holes in their faith really quickly. Mm -hmm. You'll get someone who's sort of in the middle where they have some answers to stuff and they're pretty solid on it, but yeah. if you press enough, mm -hmm. they'll... They'll question everything. They'll question everything and fall mm -hmm. apart. Then there's the people who, no matter what you say, will just say, but I have faith anyway, or you're right, even if I don't have that answer, I have faith anyway, mm -hmm. or I... Whatever. And he said, don't even waste your time on those people. They're, they're a lost cause. And I had a oh, moment wow. where I was sitting there like... <laughs> you're I'm not, a lost cause. <laughs> yes. Because, you're not going to crack me. Yeah, because it was two years, three years, I think three years after that moment mm -hmm. that I told you about with that girl who, like, literally was praying for me in the moment where I wasn't sure that God mm -hmm. existed, right? Like, I was in the third category. That was great. Um, it was also, the last thing I'll say about him and this experience was mm -hmm. he had a Q&A at the end, and there was one other Christian in the room, and we both asked questions, and it was so funny because just, like, in a church, if you were like, oh, I'm not really, I'm not a Christian right now, Christians would be like, that's fine, welcome, come mm -hmm. on. And that, like, they want you here because at least if you're in the church, we can mm -hmm. speak truth. We were like, uh, I'm actually a Christian. They were like, oh, my gosh, hi, welcome. We're mm -hmm. so glad you're here. And it was funny because he was talking about, like, hope a little bit in his mm -hmm. talk. And I was, I said, you know, you mentioned hope in your talk. And I, I know that as a person of faith, a lot of us people of faith, really feel like there's life after death and there's this concept of heaven. Mm -hmm. And so if someone passes away, a really helpful mentality for that mourning process is believing that they've gone to a better place and that we as humans might suffer here on earth, but we will have eternal joy and eternal mm -hmm. happiness and eternal like closeness with God in heaven. Mm -hmm. How, what, what hope can you give to a Christian mm -hmm. that's of higher value 
than that, to replace mm -hmm. the hope that they are currently holding in their faith. To make them feel comfortable with leaving their religion behind. Exactly. Yeah. No answer? Yeah, he, he said nothing. Oh, wow. No, there is nothing that I can give to replace it. Wow. So, in other words, stop believing in God, leave your church. To believe that to life believe in nothing. is yeah. useless and has no purpose after it's over. I was yeah. like, that feels like a pretty big hole in your argument, dude. I just don't understand what the point of doing that is. Like, what do you gain from pressuring someone to leave their church? Well, you know, like if you think about your earlier question about like those people who are persecuting people and being really unkind, and I yeah. mean, to a degree, maybe that's what they're trying to remedy. Yeah. Who was it that said that like faith is the opiate of the masses, mm -hmm. where basically it's like they just having faith like subdues you, or like the Protestant work ethic, where you'll just like put up with anything and be martyrs your whole life, mm -hmm. and I think they feel like they're breaking you free from that. Mm -hmm. Like if basically what his perspective was was we're in a cult. Mm -hmm. If you're a Christian, you're in a cult and they're brainwashing you, and you could be living such a better life and a freer life with your own thoughts mm. if we break you out of this cult. Well, the same way you and I, if someone was actually in a cult, would probably be like, yeah. oh, honey, like, <laughs> let me save you from this crazy person. Yeah. A lot of people view Christianity that way. I appreciate that you're one of the people who doesn't mm -hmm. think that I'm in a cult <laughs> when I talk about some of the admittedly soundingly crazy things that I talk about, but I think that was their point. I think they were like, this is dangerous. They just don't want is unhelpful religion at all uh -huh. in the world yeah interesting so yeah so someone has questioned my faith in a very official way that way mm -hmm. um, but other than that my personal experiences have been pretty limited yeah mm -hmm. but it's kind of about who you surround yourself with anyways like you said that most of your circles are people that you obviously want to be friends with and want to learn from and stuff yeah so. either they're already in faith or they're people who even if they don't have a faith mm -hmm. are a respectful human being who can think that people have different thoughts and that's okay mm -hmm. yeah. yeah totally yeah those are my people <laughs> <laughs> those are your people those are my people um i guess my like last question because i had like a set of questions you know lined out and then we end up going off on a tangent what do i say christians what do christians believe but like what do you believe will happen to like a non-believing person when they die yeah that kind of comes back to what i was talking about earlier which is the whole like Jesus coming back thing mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of different belief on it mm -hmm. which is that some people believe that once you die like nothing happens mm -hmm. until Christ comes back and then all the people who have died are like sorted oh, okay almost like so like even if you die today and yeah. Jesus comes back in 5,000 years, years. Yeah. yeah you wait 5,000 years and then you're sorted in like freaking mm -hmm. Harry Potter sorting hat and you're just nothing until yeah. That happens. Yeah. yeah. Or some people believe that you go. I mean, you've probably heard stories of people who like had a near death experience mm -hmm. and they felt like they saw heaven and totally. I, you know, I have, I have no idea. Yeah. Because I'm alive. Um, <laughs> so yay, <laughs> woo, three cheers for me. So it's it's open to interpretation, but generally the concept of heaven and hell mm -hmm. has survived tradition mm -hmm. and, and biblical interpretation, which is that if you are a person who believes in Christ, who claimed when he was here that he was the way and the truth and the life, mm -hmm. and no one comes to the Father except through him, mm -hmm. word for word, that's what the scripture says. Mm -hmm. So if you don't, if you're not Christian, mm -hmm. then we believe you have missed the mark of the only way to get to God mm -hmm. and therefore eternal life in him and in mm -hmm. that close relationship, which is no more weeping, no more sadness, no more hurting. And yeah. so the opposite would be true for people who aren't of faith. Yeah. The general consensus is that they would be in hell or purgatory and then hell, depending on who you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and so um, that would be eternal suffering mm -hmm. is generally how that's viewed. Does anyone know what that means? No. The yeah. fire and brimstone vision has gone on right. to survive but is well even in like stories and movies and tvs like tv shows there's such like a broad interpretation of what heaven and hell is it's like is it a real place is it a feeling is it where your spirit just goes like a, or yeah like a void of like happiness or yeah you know because some people distress. believe that like instead of fire and brimstone like if heaven is eternal um community with god mm -hmm. then hell would be eternal separation from god mm -hmm. And that could be no different than the life we're almost living on Earth, sort of. Yeah. But people, like, but that could be the eternal suffering as well. Mm -hmm. So it, it has a really broad spectrum of what that yeah. has been known to be interpreted as. Either yeah. literal fire and brimstone. And because there's a verse that, like, talks about, like, someone who's in that space right now. And they're, mm -hmm. like, just begging for even a drop of water. And so those mm -hmm. passages are what fuel the 
fuel the fire, <laughs> fuel the, oh. <laughs> the fire image, yeah. um, is that, that heat and that burning yeah. and, that, and that sort of like death mm -hmm. space for eternity. So yeah, um, yeah that's that sort of tradition and mm -hmm. I, I have no way of knowing any different from that. Right. So I would at this point just ascribe to that is also correct because mm -hmm. that's the tradition I've been raised in. Yeah, totally. Um, what do you like picture? What do I for, picture? Like an afterlife. Oh. Like when you think about like heaven and hell, when I think about heaven and hell, I have like a picture in my head of like what it looks like. Like what do you, like if you died tomorrow, where do you think you would go? And like what do you picture it being like? I think I, I have a lot of the same visions as what people have created over the years. Mm -hmm. So uh, something that is like bright and light and, mm -hmm. and warm and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, when I was talking earlier about prayer and journaling, a way that helps get you into that headspace is sometimes imagining yourself in a place with God, mm -hmm. whether that's a place on earth mm -hmm. or in heaven, sort of putting yourself in that space so that you can almost have that conversation. Mm -hmm. But imagining yourself there gives you a tool or a space to have that. Um, mm -hmm. One of my friends, well, you know her, but Hannah has a valley mm -hmm. that she goes to where she like walks oh, with God okay. and God like shows up in her valley that she hangs out in. Oh, wow. And I often like go to his throne room. Wow. So it's just big and white and open and I can't see anything else, but there's a giant mm -hmm. throne that he sits on yeah. and I'll just like crawl up in his lap and, and we'll have our no way. little conversation. Interesting. So uh, that's probably the best vision I have of what heaven would look like afterwards. It's not... Aww. I like that. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, well, because God is the father. It's not just he's the father of Jesus. Like, yeah. He's explained as a father to us too, which is, mm -hmm. you know loving daddy arms typically yeah. not, not everyone's father on earth is like that but that's the right. goal and that's what he's supposed to be yeah. for us so interesting mm -hmm. i like that yeah abba abba means father in the original text so oh really mm -hmm. that's another way that people affectionately refer to god is as abba really which is like papa mm -hmm. wow mm -hmm. some christians will just use papa as their when they pray interesting uh-huh well then <laughs> So that answers your last question. That then. Does that's answer my that's last question. perfect, right? You're you've got all yeah. you need to know. It's funny, like, so there's obviously like the questions I asked you about, like, who's Ezekiel? Like, what's this specific thing? And like, those are like easy enough to answer because it's like more fact based, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, cool, like, good to know. But like, asking you questions like, what is faith to you? And like, am I going to go to hell? And like, <laughs> what do you see? You didn't ask it that way, but that's what you well, meant. Yeah. yeah, you know, no, like you know, what do you see in heaven? Like, what are you, and it's just, it's really interesting to hear like, like what you think about everything. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, how my brain works basically. Yeah. Cause you and I live, I mean, probably such, we, without realizing it, such different totally. mental lives. Yeah. Like our lives, we work at the same place. We do a lot of sim, similar-ish things. Mm -hmm. We sit at our desks and scroll Facebook. All, I mean, work really hard. Work really hard. All yeah, day, absolutely. yeah, for sure. Work really hard all day. Eight hours a day. Uh, yeah, all, all the time. Yeah. Um, but. It's a, yeah, I never really think about it either, like internally, like what's happening in your head. Like if yeah. I'm in a crisis, what is my head doing and what's your head doing? Yes, or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like the journaling thing, I would have never like even thought that was a thing. Like when I think of praying, I think of like kneeling at your bedside yeah. with your hands up to your face and like, you know, closing your eyes and like saying a certain prayer and like, yeah, it's just interesting to think of like hearing God and like seeing God, like how that actually works for you. Like, yeah, like I'll be walking into the office being like, okay, God, if you want me to do this podcast, you just like I'm having yeah, that conversation totally. while I'm somebody walking into work. And says, hey, Jacqueline, <laughs> how's that podcast? Like, Dang it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, Heather. Yeah, thanks. I'm definitely going to turn this into two episodes because it's been two hours. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> every time there's like, we're kind of coming to the end of a answer or you know conversation I'm like oh I gotta ask this like one more thing one more thing so yeah, yeah. it's a lot and if you if we ever do another episode with you back on yeah, it I feel like totally. it'll probably be less because we've covered yeah like you need so much background knowledge to even yeah well, give you know, the answers for other so, stuff yeah so funny too is like going into this like I was trying I had a couple of like questions to ask you and I was like oh like I don't have enough like to ask about like I was trying to like look things up and like you know what else am I wondering about and then but we really like go off on tangents and it's yeah. like because as soon as I say one thing there's all this vocabulary yeah. and Christianese we jokingly call it Christianese oh, nice. and if you don't know the Christianese then yeah. you just need clarifying questions on 
the answer I just gave. It's yeah. like giving a definition with words you don't know. Yeah. Well, it's like, was Jesus a prophet? It's like, no, he was God. And it's like, okay. Okay, well, pause. hold on. Yeah, like, let's take an How hour. How does that happen? Yeah. No. <laughs> it definitely... Super interesting. And, like, I appreciate you answering my questions and not... And just, I don't know, just, like, having a conversation with me about it and not, yeah. like, I don't feel any pressure to... Come to believe church tomorrow. You it's it's yeah. Saturday. You better show up at two. Yeah, to like tonight. change yeah. what I believe. Like I think that you respect what I believe, and like yeah. I respect what you believe. We can yeah. like talk about it, and yeah. it's just interesting. Yeah, you were. We were joking before that like you should have a YouTube channel where <laughs> you just tell Bible stories like yeah. in your in your way of telling stories because yeah. it's very entertaining. Yeah, well... I and then Jesus said... Yeah, and then and he was these people all like, like... Yeah. I really hope... Well, that's why I called it uncanonical because I don't want anyone to think that I'm, like, a theologian giving them the, like, breakdown. But sometimes yeah, totally. the concepts are so insane. Like, I was trying to look up some of the answers that you had given me pre-questions for ahead of time yeah. just to make sure that I, like, remembered for myself because I yeah. know most of it, but sometimes explaining it is different. You have to know it mm. a little better. And I'm reading even just the Wikipedia page for some of these topics, and I'm like, yeah. oh, come on, even I don't know what half of those words are, and I'm yeah. re-looking them up, and I have a context for them. I can't yeah. even imagine Well, someone. like, one concept, you break down into, like, ten different yeah. things, and, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that I can answer them in in layman's terms, like, yeah. in a way that if you don't have that context, you can sort of, like... Yeah, totally, that's what I like about it. it. Um, I remember like another thing I asked you about was Queen Esther mm-hmm. a long time ago because one of the foundations of the college we work at is the Queen Esther Foundation and I was like who's Queen Esther and I don't think I even knew at the time that it was a Bible reference I thought that she was like you know someone in a person or if they in knew yeah. Poland or something <laughs> who yeah. did something really good but no like Queen you, Elizabeth Queen Esther you know yeah something like that but um yeah it's nice to like ask you those questions and then just get like a little story out of it yeah I like to know stuff Well, thank you, Heather. Yeah, thanks, Jack-Jack. And uh, we'll see you all in the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening to Uncanonical. If you have any questions or want to get a hold of us, you can email uncanonicalpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook or Instagram at uncanonicalpodcast. And to find all our new episodes or hear part one of this conversation with Heather, head to kinshipconference.com slash podcast.